And if you would, this morning, take your Bibles and turn to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6. As a church, we've been just preaching through the book of Ephesians, and we, we do that because uh, we believe that all of the Bible is inspired by God, and all of it is profitable. And so it's just sort of our strategy, or the way we, we do things is just to preach through books of the Bible. Uh, because if it's just left up to me, I'll kind of end up on my hobby horses and preaching about things that I want to preach about, but we want to hear all that God has to say to us, uh, and and fittingly this morning in uh, in our study through the book of Ephesians, we've, we've come to Ephesians chapter 6 and really verse number 4, but let's begin at verse number 1 just to get a little bit of the context. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. And then our text for this morning, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Well, if you have had the experience of parenting, I'd say most of us uh, probably would fit in that category. I think this text is speaking to you this morning. And uh, there, there, there are many challenges to parenting. We've been at it for a little bit now, and uh, there, there are a lot of challenges to parenting. We were just in Grace Marriage on Friday talking about kids and some of the struggles uh, that, that we have with children and uh, some of the things that, that just happen because you have children. One of the, one of the challenges, I think, to parenting uh, is that you just lose a little bit of your dignity, don't you? Like when, when you're a teenager and then into your early adulthood, you're, you're all about you and you're all about like keeping it together and looking good and being able to present yourself the way you want to present yourself. And then somewhere along the way, you get married and have kids and like that's out the window. Like what people think about you and the way that you present yourself uh, is just a little more difficult when you have kids, especially young children. I, I remember we lived in Louisville. Uh, for, for quite a while. One time we thought, let's go to Thunder Over Louisville, and the kids wanted to ride a city bus, and uh, we really hadn't done that very very often, and we thought, this would be a cool experience for them, so we'll get on the bus, and we'll ride down to downtown in Louisville there and watch the fireworks, and we had a young child at that time who was still in diapers, uh, and as happens sometimes when you have young children who are still in diapers, uh, they something just happens there, and there's just an explosion, right? And it's up the back and down the legs and everywhere else. And uh, we did I say we were young parents? We were young parents, and we weren't very well prepared to handle that. We, we had brought diapers and wipes, but for some reason, we didn't think about bringing a change of clothes uh, on the city bus. So there we are in downtown Louisville getting off the city bus with a child that is just has it dripping all over him, right? And you're thinking, like, these are, the, these are the moments that I've avoided all of my life, that I've worked really hard to not attract attention to myself. But when you have children, that kind of stuff happens. They, they spill drinks in restaurants. They're loud. They run through stores and bump into people. They say things to, to people that you're like, I can't believe they said that. Like, I can't believe they repeated that. I, I, you know, you, your reputation is out the window. Parents, uh, parenting is, is challenging. It's challenging as they get older because you, you, you realize I'm responsible for this person, but I'm not ultimately able to control them. 
right? When they're little, you live in this delusional little world and think, I can pretty well control my kids. And then they get old enough to go to school and they start saying things and talking to teachers and making their own friends. And then they get even older and they start driving and, and then they become adults. And you realize, I'm kind of responsible for them, but I can't ultimately control them. It's, it's challenging. And one of the, a couple of the biggest challenges, I, I think, uh, is this. I, I think one of the, the things that, kind of has brought me to my knees is just as, as a parent, you begin to see your own deficiency. You see your own deficiency. Like I see this in a couple ways. So, so one, you just see your sinfulness on display. Like parenting is a process of God exposing your sin to you as much as it is about parenting your child. So, so often you find yourself acting in ways uh, and exhibiting really sinful behavior as you're trying to parent your children. You say, I don't even really like who I am right now. I'm sitting here yelling at these kids and I'm acting in ways that I know are wrong and, and my kids made me do it, right? Uh, the reality is kids don't make you do it. You, you do it because you're a sinner like, like me, but, but you see that deficiency. Other times you just feel the deficiency of not knowing what to do. Like you need the wisdom of Solomon to parent. And there are so many times when you're a parent that you really are just really at a loss. Like what do we do here? My wife and I have those conversations on a regular basis. If you're a parent, I, I think you will probably be having those conversations as well. Like, I don't know what the right decision is. Well, our text this morning, I think it helps us with both of those areas of deficiency. We're really just going to look at, at, at the first one, uh, and, and that is our, our sin. Uh, the, the fact that parenting exposes our sin it tells us here not to fathers and mothers, it is included, I think, here, and we'll talk more about that. Don't provoke your children to anger or to, to wrath. And so I, I think what we look into this text, I, I think we see that as we struggle with sin, uh, as we parent, we're going to struggle with sin, but in Christ, we've been given the resources to overcome our own sin in that parenting challenge. I think, I think when God commands us, what we've seen in the book of Ephesians is that he's freed us from the dominating power of sin that, that would be the things that drive us uh, to provoke our children to anger. So let's just dig into this text a little bit here and look to see what God has to say to us in his word. So verse four, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the fear and discipline or the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So the question right away is like, why does he just talk to fathers here? Uh, well, I, I think the first thing that we need to understand, it's not because mothers don't have authority in the home, right? Because in the previous text, if you've been here with us uh, before, you saw that children are commanded to obey their parents, not just their fathers, obey your parents, and to honor your father and your mother. And so I, I don't think it means that, uh, that mothers are not an authority in the home, I think there's a couple reasons that he addresses the father. First of all, from a biblical perspective, there, there is a, a, an authority structure in, in the home, and fathers are sort of the head of that authority structure. The Bible doesn't really make any apologies for that. Uh, God has created it in this way. So fathers, if you're here this morning, what you need to understand from God's word is that like God ultimately holds you accountable the old saying, you know, the buck stops with you. That, that's true of you fathers, all of us who, who are fathers in the home. The, the ultimate responsibility lies on you. 
You know, if you, we're watching a lot of basketball right now, right? If teams are not playing well, if things aren't going well on a team, where, where does the responsibility lie? Well, the parent, the, the players, right, bear some responsibility, whether they're doing what they're supposed to do or not. But when the coach stands up at the end of the game and people are questioning him, why did you do this and not do that? He, if he's a good coach, right, he's going to say, hey, that's on me. I didn't have our players and our team where they need to be. And, and when we look at things from God's perspective, fathers, what we need to understand is that he's put you in a place of authority and he holds you ultimately accountable. That's not to say that children aren't accountable for their behavior or that mothers play no part in this process, but, but there's sort of a head in uh, the authority structure of the home. So I think that's why he addresses fathers. Secondly, I think he addresses fathers because isn't it fathers who are most likely to either abdicate or abuse their responsibility in terms of parenting children? I think he, I think he addresses men. I think he addresses us fathers because we are the ones who are most likely in terms of parenting to either abdicate or abuse this responsibility that God has given us. We see this in the Bible all the way back in the beginning of the story of Adam and Eve. We, we see Adam sort of abdicating his responsibility to lead in, in that situation. And men have been abdicating their responsibility ever since. They've been washing their hands, sort of drawing back and sort of taking a passive approach to marriage and family in general. That's been a common tendency for, for men to do. And I think it's for that reason that God addresses them. In many cultures, a dominant mindset is sort of that, that children were to be seen and not heard when it came to men and, and that, that we just need to keep them out like men are doing important things and they're too important. Uh, they've got too much going on to sort of be involved with children. They, they're not going to play with children. They're not going to get down on the floor and really be involved in that way. Predominantly throughout history, that's kind of one of the major mindsets that, that people have had. You see this in Jesus' day. Uh, when, when, even with the disciples, right? There are children running around and playing, and the disciples are like, hey, get those kids out of here. Jesus is here. He's here to do really important things. He's, he's got big important things to do. He's teaching people. He's healing. And so just get these kids out of here. And how does Jesus respond to that? Jesus says, no, 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 no. Let the little children come to me. Bring them here. Don't, don't forbid them to, to come to me. But, but men so often have sort of had that Mindset. Some men even today sort of, even if they wouldn't say that, they sort of implicitly think, you know, raising children, that's kind of the mother's responsibility. Like that's woman's work, right? I'm not saying that, right? I'm ducking here in case somebody throws something. But, but that's a mindset that even in our day and time, a lot of men sort of implicitly carry. Like, like that's, that's my wife's responsibility to take care of the kids. I work, I provide, and she takes care of the kids. I, I kind of am detached from that. So, some, some men uh, abdicate this responsibility just by burying themselves in work. Right? They're working so much that they're just not able to be involved with, with their children. So, some fathers effectively remove themselves from the life of their child by mistreating or abandoning the mother, abandoning the mother of, of their children. And then some fathers just, just have a minimalist approach, right? They're there, they're involved, but their mindset is, is kind of like, well, as long as my kids aren't in prison, 
I'm doing pretty good. Like I don't really need to take an active, hands-on kind of role in their life as long as they don't end up in jail. I feel like I'm doing my, my responsibility. But men have not only abdicated, they've also abused their responsibility. So instead of nurturing and loving their children, they have mistreated them and been too harsh. So I think for both of those reasons is why when, when Paul is writing this, God inspired him to say, hey, men, fathers, I, I want to talk particularly to you because you need to hear this. You have a responsibility not to provoke your children to anger, but in a positive way to bring them up in a nurturing kind of way in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. But as we look at this this morning, Wives and mothers, you need to recognize that this includes you by implication and by extension. He's talking to you. I think he's talking to to parents in general. At least the the application of it, I think, can be taken that way. So I think what he's calling us to do in the first half of this is that we should parent in such a Christ-like way that we do not stir up anger and resentment in our children. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. What does it mean to provoke? One person said this, it means that parents are not to excite the bad passions or the bad feelings of their children. Don't don't parent them in such a way that they're exasperated, that you frustrate them, that you sort of stir them up like you're stoking a fire. Like that's, you should not parent in that way. Fathers, we, we know how to kind of stir our kids up, don't we? You know, you've been at work and you come in the door and you're ready to go. You you get them, you throw them on the bed and you start tickling them. You get them all wound up like there, there's nothing wrong with that. But but that kind of helps illustrate what he's saying here is don't do that in a negative way. Don't parent them in such a way that you stir up feelings of anger and resentment in your children. And again, I think he's talking primarily to fathers here because we are the ones that are most uh, most likely to do this. Don't don't stir them up. Now, obviously he doesn't mean here, does he? Don't ever discipline your children. Or don't ever do anything that your kids are going to get mad about. That's not what he's saying right here. If if I never did anything that made my children angry uh, or that they responded in anger to, uh, I would not be a very good parent. Kids get mad about all kinds of things that they shouldn't get mad about. Like when we're doing what we should be doing. No, you can't go to that party. There's going to be a lot of alcohol and potentially drugs and a lot of bad things going on at that party. You're not going and they get angry, right? That's not what this is is talking about. This is, seems to be something, uh, some kind of action that would not just temporarily anger them, but something that would be more long-lasting, more deep-seated, uh, a deep-seated kind of anger, bitterness, or, or resentment. Well, I think in particular what he's saying here basically is this, is that we should not sin against our children. In other words, it's not that you should just never do anything that your kids are going to get mad about. It's that you should never do anything that they would be angry about and their anger would be justified, right? Anger is a right response when someone sins against us, right? If we, if we, it depends on how we carry that anger out, right? But, but the, just the response itself, anger is the right response when someone sins against us. And so we should not parent our children in such a way that they're angry toward us, that they're bitter and resentful, and that is justified. 
Right? So one person said this, this means to stir them up in an unhelpful way, even sinful way by sinning against them. It's a misuse and abuse in greater or lesser degree of a father's God-given role in the lives of his children. Another person said this, there are times when we so provoke our children, we so exasperate them that anger is the fitting response. It may even be the right response if anger is expressed in righteous ways. There may be times when your children's anger toward you is more righteous than your actions toward them. So that's what he's calling us here to do. Don't sin against your kids. Now, I think what that challenges for some of us, because I, I'm like an authoritarian. I'm, I, I try to be a very strict parent. And sometimes when we have that sort of authoritarian mindset, we can almost view our children as if our control of them is like absolute. Like these are my kids and they are not going to act that way. I'm going to make sure that they act in the way that I want them to act. It, it's, it's a way in which we kind of view our children that, that kind of almost says like they belong to me and my authority over them is absolute. But what we need to recognize this morning is that this text is really teaching us that parents, yes, your parent, your children belong to you in one sense, but, but in another sense, there are boundaries to your authority even over your children. They don't belong to you in sort of the absolute uh, greatest kind of way. We need to recognize that our children actually have another father, that God is their father. And we've got to answer to that father for how we parent them. This text is kind of setting boundaries. Don't You're not free just to parent your children in whatever way you choose. It's not up to you. Your authority over them is not absolute. They belong to the Lord. And here's one of the things that he tells you about how you should parent them. You should not sin against them in such a way that you cause resentment and anger in their heart. God expects us to use our authority over our children for their good and not for our good. See, that's the danger so often when we enter into parenting is to think, this is really all about me. My children reflect me. Uh, they, they, my reputation is attached to them. I, I want them to accomplish certain things in, in their life. I've got the plan for their life. I've got a vision for them. I know what I want out of my children. And so it's all about me. And what we need to recognize is that parenting really isn't all about us. These children belong to the Lord. And we need to parent them in a way that's good for them and not in a way that's just good for us. What actions can serve to provoke anger in our children? Well, he doesn't say here, does he? He says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Uh, we've seen that to provoke them to anger is probably to sin against them, but he doesn't specify in what ways we would sin against them, right? He doesn't say, and here's a list of 10 things that will provoke your, your children to anger. And so I think there's a, a bit of application that we can, that we can glean from here. And, and so I, I've, I've thought of six things I think that I see in my life, tendencies that I see in my life and in, in the lives of others that I think are ways that we can sin against our children and thereby provoke them to anger. Um, so let's, let's just jump into these. First of all is injustice. When you are not fair 
with your children, you provoke them to anger. When you are unjust in the way that you parent them, uh, you, you provoke them to anger. Now, again, we got to be careful there, right? Because how many parents, we won't have you raise your hands, but how many parents here have your children ever said, that's not fair, right? I, I don't think, you, you're probably not a parent if your child has not said that to you, right? Uh, you're, you're not doing something right if at some point your child has not responded, that's not fair. Oftentimes that comes because they have misguided expectations about what they should be or should not be allowed to do. And so that's not what I'm, I'm talking about here. Uh, the, the, this is something bigger than that. There are times, I think, if we, we recognize also there, there are times when we do things and we look back on it occasionally and we say, you know what, that probably wasn't fair. That probably wasn't right. Again, you're probably, uh, I, I don't want to call your parenting into question, but, but if you're a parent, I am sure that you have at some point looked back and said, yeah, that wasn't the right decision. I, I didn't do the right thing. But, but again, we're not talking about some kind of occasional time when we, when we get it sort of wrong, the occasional mess up. I think we're talking about here something that's a sustained thing. This is the way that we parent. This is where we live on a regular basis. And if you're doing that, if you are parenting your children in ways that are really unfair or unjust, you're going to provoke them to anger. So let me, let me give you two ways I think that you can, can do this. One is you can be unfair or unjust to your children when you treat discipline as sort of retribution for your anger. Like when you, when you bring discipline on your children just as a, a way to vent your anger at them, that's a way in which you're probably going to be unfair. Because what I know is when I'm angry and I go to discipline my children, I'm usually too severe. Like, you're never going to eat again, right? No, that's not good, right? But uh, sometimes we, we do that, right? When, when we... When we parent out of anger and, and when we don't take time to, wait a minute, let me think through this. And before I enact some discipline, uh, let, let me just give it some thought and let me cool down a bit. So we, when we parent out of uh, sort of our, our anger, when we discipline out of anger, you know, James chapter one, verse 20 says this, the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. The anger of man does not produce righteousness. So parents, we just need to be on guard, on guard there. Don't, don't discipline out of anger. When you do that, you probably will be unjust uh, in, in the way that you deal with that. Second is that we can be unjust uh, when, when we practice favoritism. When we treat one child better than another. When, when I was writing this out, I, at first I wrote differently than another. But the reality is, again, if you've got multiple children, you know that you parent children different because children are different and they're not cookie cutter. That's not one size fits all. Uh, but when you parent one, one child, when you treat one child better than another, you might do this because one child excels in sports or excels in academics because they're the firstborn or because they're the youngest, because they remind you of yourself or maybe a loved one, a, a grandparent or somebody that you love dearly and you just see so much of that person in this child. Uh, it could be because they share your DNA. So in adopted uh, or blended families, 
hey, this is my child, so he kind of gets the preferred treatment because he's got my my DNA. Those are all ways in which we can kind of practice favoritism or all reasons. We need to just guard ourselves against that. Uh, we, we need to learn to treat each child fairly and to express our love to them. In the Bible, we have the story of, of Jacob who had 12 sons and their life was a mess, right? Because Jacob preferred Joseph over all the rest of his children. He, he had a favorite, right? And that, that brought about all kinds of turmoil and strife in their family. Parents, your, your children will know. Like if you're treating one child better than another in a consistent way, uh, they're, they're going to recognize that and you're going to bring turmoil into your life. You will provoke that ch- those other children to anger. And so injustice is one way that we can provoke our children to anger. Expectations is a second way. Expectations. Sometimes we can place undue burdens on our children. Unrealistic expectations will crush your children. Listen, you need to love the child that God has given you and not the child that you want them to be. That's the danger for all of us, right? I want my children to excel in sports, right? I want them to do this. I want them to take this course in life. And so we've kind of conditioned them then when we do that, that your my love for you is conditioned upon you being the child that I want you to be. We need to recognize that all of our children are, are individuals, and, and so we need to parent them in that way. We, we don't need to put expectations upon them that are unrealistic. Now we need to recognize there's, there's nothing wrong with challenging the way your child is. Your child is an individual, um, but, but their individuality is not the greatest thing about them. There are some things about your children that need to change. There are some things that you need to discipline. There are some things that you need to challenge. But then there are other things that you just need to recognize. This is not a sin issue. Uh, this, they're, not, they're not wrong because they're this way. This is just the way that, you, that they are. And you need to parent that child accordingly. So let me just give you a couple of illustrations. Some of your children will not want to work hard, right? I've got some of those kids. We start cleaning the house and some of them just disappear. Where the heck did he go? Oh, he, he had to go to the bathroom. Every time we clean, he's got to go to the bathroom, right? That's not, something's not adding up. Some of your children won't want to work hard. And you need to challenge that, right? You need to discipline them. You need to push them in, in that area. Uh, you, you've got to correct that. But you know, some of your children may just not want to play baseball. And that's okay. They don't have to love baseball because you loved baseball, because you played baseball, doesn't mean that your children need to love and play baseball. And so you may be getting frustrated because they're out on the field and you're saying, you're just not working hard. You need to try harder. And the reason they're not doing that is because they don't want to do it. They don't like baseball. So just back off a little bit, find out what your children love to do and try to encourage them to do that. Some of your children will not be stars and stu- uh, star students in school. That's okay. That's okay. But some of your children will probably lie and cheat to try to get out of work at school. 
that's not okay. That's where you need to discipline. That's where you need to discipline and correct and push them to be better, right? And so there's just this balance and this wisdom to trying to figure out what is it about my child that I need to discipline and correct and instruct? And what is there that that's just their personality and I need to let them be who God made them to be. And, and we need wisdom to do that. Again, we need to be careful because sometimes as parents, listen, we, we can teach our children implicitly that our love for them is conditioned upon them being an A student, A honor roll, or you're not my child, right? We don't say that, right? But sometimes that might be the, that might be what they're hearing from us. Hey, you better, you better be an all-star baseball player or, you know, I, I just don't love you as much as my other child who is, right? Again, I don't think there's anybody in this room that would say that, but I'm telling you there, there are some of you who are probably parenting in a way that implies that strongly to your children. And if you do that, if you have those kind of unrealistic expectations for your children, you are going to provoke them to anger and bitterness. A third way that we can do this is, is through fighting. Many children are provoked to anger because they see the way that, that mom and dad treat each other. Right? They, they're seeing sin go on. They're, they're seeing two people mistreat each other and be nasty and unkind to each other. And they respond in anger. And, and we just need to, to recognize this. You know, if you walked in here this morning and you just saw me, you as an adult saw me just berating my wife and yelling at her and calling her names and getting in her face, like you would probably respond in anger toward me. You'd be like, what a jerk. If you were courageous enough, you might come up to me and say, hey, dude, just back down, step away. You, you, this is not right what you're doing. Well, just think about our children. They've got a front row seat to see the way that we mistreat each other as spouses. What, will their, what, what should their response be? It's going to be anger. Right? They don't always know how to, how to, how to articulate that. They don't always know how to express that anger and frustration. And so sometimes they act out in school or they act out in public. But the problem is, right? They're angry because they're seeing sin. And that sin, that, that anger that they have is, is really a right response. Sometimes we think, well, you know, if we just get divorced, well, that would solve the problem then, right? Because we won't be fighting all the time. But the reality is that doesn't solve the problem. I'm not a, I'm not a rocket surgeon, but I know there's there's other options between fight all the time and get divorced. There's, hey, let's mature and grow and, and not fight so much, right? Uh, but, but this is another way that we can drive our children to anger. The Bible says, be angry and do not sin. One other way is through pride. That is through refusing to recognize and admit when you're wrong. Believe it or not, parents, sometimes you are wrong. Sometimes you will think about the way that you've parented and you'll look back and you'll say, that was wrong. I was too harsh. I was too critical. I was not as loving as I should have been. I made the wrong decision. I could have let them go and, and participate in that. That wouldn't have been any big deal. We can look back sometimes and see that we were wrong. But there's a danger for us parents that we don't want to recognize that, right? I don't want to admit that I'm wrong. I might, my parents, my children might look at me like I'm weak. They might think that I, I'm second guessing myself. They might start to question my authority. But listen, pride 
uh, is the sin that leads us to be that way. And, and it really is indicative of, of a greater spiritual problem. When, when a person is unwilling to recognize the ways in which they, they've sinned and ask for forgiveness, uh, that, that is symptomatic of the fact that we don't see ourselves as, as sinners. Listen, you ought to be recognizing when you do something wrong and you ought to confess that to your children. Like if you have done something to sin against them, maybe you were just really harsh and you blew up in anger and you yelled at your kids. Guess what? Again, you don't get to yell at them just because they're your kids. That's not okay. It's not, it's not, you know, well, they're my kids. I can do it. No, no. They belong to the Lord. And he said, don't sin against them. Don't provoke them to anger. So when you do that, when you sin against your children, when you're angry and you yell at them, or, or, or when you discipline them in ways that are unfair, you need to come back to them and confess that to them and say, you know what, guys, I'm sorry, dad was wrong when he did that, and I need you to, to forgive me. Man, I'll tell you what, your, your children, you've, you've got something going for you. Your children want to love you, right? And they don't want to be angry and bitter toward you. And so when you show that kind of humility, when you show them that kind of, hey, I, I want to get this right, they're going to accept that and they're going to love you even more for it. And listen, when we're Christians, we recognize, number one, we're all sinners. So there's no need in trying to pretend like we don't have sin. Our sin is so bad that Jesus had to die in our place. It's not just little mistakes that we make. It's really big sin and we need to own that. And Another thing is, if we are believers in Jesus Christ, all of our sin is already fully forgiven. So we don't have to try to minimize it or hide it so we can make ourselves feel better. We can fully own our sin. We can show it in all of its ugliness and not try to be hypocritical and hide it. We, we can put it on display for all to see and say, but Christ has forgiven me, right? And so there's no need to, to fear that in terms of confessing it to our children. Fifthly, we can drive our children or provoke our children to anger when we neglect them. Your children, fathers and mothers, they need your love. They need your time. They need your attention. And so I'm not going to say too much on this, but I just want to say, if you're not giving your children adequate time, they're going to be angry and frustrated, and they're justified in that because God has given you the responsibility to be with them and to nurture them and to care for them. And they need you. They, they need you to put away your phone. They need you to turn off the television and get down in the floor and play with them and spend time. They need you, dad, some of you, sometimes to, to say no to that overtime and to say, you know what, I, I need to spend some time with my kids. They, they need you to take them fishing. They need you to be involved in their lives. And when you're not... I think you will provoke them to anger. The final thing that we see this morning, a final way I think that we can provoke our children to anger is by failing to discipline our children. And that might seem counterintuitive because we think, well, my children tend to get angry when I discipline them. And so maybe if I don't discipline them, well, then they won't be, be angry. But listen, angry children uh, or undisciplined ch children rather are, are angry children. You and I have been given a great responsibility as parents. 
And that is to discipline and to train our children so that they know that the, the way the world works. Right? God has designed this world to work in a certain way. And when you, when you go with the flow in terms of the way the world was designed, when, when you submit to God's laws, when you, when you are obedient to the Lord, the Bible teaches that your life is just easier. But when you try to cut against the grain, when you're always swimming upstream, when you're always doing things sort of the, the hard way, life is going to be more difficult and more challenging. Well, parents, it's our responsibility to teach our children the way that they should live, the way that they should go in this life. And when we don't do that, guess what? They still learn it. They just learn it the hard way. Life, life knocks them to the ground. And we, we kind of step back and say, I don't, I don't want to rock the boat too much with my children. I don't want to be too much of a disciplinarian. Well, guess what? When they, when they get older and they haven't learned to be disciplined, when they haven't learned to live life the way God has designed it to be lived, life is going to teach them a few lessons. You're, you're, not, you're not sparing them any pain. You're not helping them by, by trying to go easy on them. You need to discipline them and instruct them so that they will know how they ought to live. Discipline teaches them that they've got to submit to someone else. If you let your kids, it's your, it's your responsibility to teach them there's some things you've got to submit to. There's some things in life that you probably don't want to do and you wouldn't do on your own, but guess what? You've got to do them. And so that's our job. That's, that's what we are called to do. You know, I'd rather have my children experience a little bit of pain, a little bit of frustration now in my controlled environment, in my home where I love them and I'm trying to protect them than just let them live life however they want to. And then they're in constant trouble in school. They're having difficulty keeping a job, problems in relationship, uh, experiencing things like bankruptcy and conflict in work and divorce, all because they've never learned to be disciplined. That's our job. That's what we are called to do. Just think about this. If, if I was a coach and I had the responsibility of getting a, a team ready for the NCAA tournament and I just decided, you know, this team, they just really don't like to run that much, so we're not going to run in practice. And, you know, they actually just like to play Fortnite and video games a lot, so I'm just going to let them do that. And, you know, we're really not even going to practice a whole lot, maybe a couple of minutes, maybe a few minutes each day. Uh, they also really don't like running an offense. They just kind of like to play however they want to play, right? So I'm just going to let them go with that. Well, what's going to happen when that team takes the court? They're going to be winded, and they're going to get their butts kicked, right? They're, they're going to get killed when, when game day comes. Well, guess what, parents? Your job is to coach your children. Your, your responsibility is to get them ready for life. And if you just check out on that because it's hard, if you just say, my children just really don't want to do that, they're just, man, it's hard to discipline them. I've got to stay on top of them all the time. I've constantly got to be correcting them, and they're frustrated, and I'm frustrated. I'm just going to back off and just let them do what they want to do. If you do that, when it comes time for them to live life, life is going to kick them in the teeth. They, it's your job to get them ready. And that's another way that we can provoke them to anger. So often I think a failure to discipline our children is really a failure for us, first of all, to be disciplined 
to the Lord, to be submitted to God. You know, as we close this morning, all of these issues really are rooted in our own sin. Again, we provoke our children to anger when we sin against them. What we need to recognize in the context of the book of Ephesians, though, parents, and this is where I said there's hope, is because we've been freed from our sin. In Jesus Christ, the Bible says, or, or Ephesians says in Ephesians chapter 2, that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. That, that just means that sin dominated us. It controlled us. But now, because we're in Jesus Christ, we've been freed from the power of sin. So you parents, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, there's new life that is working in you that has freed you from all of that life-dominating sin that's going on in your heart. You have the ability to overcome that sin and to parent your children in a way that loves them, in a way that is compassionate, in a way that is nurturing, and in a way that does not provoke them to anger. Takeaway this morning for us who are believers is to parent our children in a Christ-like way, to, to parent them as Christ would. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. We are grateful for Christ and for the work that he has done in our lives. We thank you that we've been freed from uh, the idolatry and sin of our heart, that we've been freed from the power of sin. We pray for each one of us, Lord, that you would help us be the parents that we're called to be. Help us not to sin against our children and to provoke them to anger. Help us to always be mindful that these children are ultimately your children, that they belong to you, and that we must give an account for how we parent them. Help us to parent them well. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.